From WBEZ Chicago and PRX, this is Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott. And I'm Jim DeRogatis. This week, we'll play some of our favorite songs exemplifying the feeling we all get from time to time, anxiety. We're sharing our anxious anthems. Plus, we talk to Texas-based soul singer Leon Bridges. You know, I didn't want to be placed in a box, and so I wanted to make something that was reflective of all the styles of R&B that I did. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and uh, coming up on the show, we're going to be sitting down to talk with uh, soul singer Leon Bridges. Remember that hit, River, around 2015, 2016, that Coming Home debut album made such a big splash? Everybody thought it was like the second coming of Sam Cooke mm-hmm. or something like that. Uh, well, he's back. He's got a new record called Good Thing. We're going to talk to Leon about that. But first, Anxious Anthems. That is the Rolling Stones with 19th Nervous Breakdown, the perfect song to kick off today's show. Songs about nervousness and anxiety. Greg, this is an anxious time, politically, economically, you name it. But a lot of the songs we're going to highlight today are about feeling nervous in everyday ways, those little things that make you anxious. For me, it is going to the DMV. you got to renew your license, right? You know, and there's hundreds of people. You're never going to get out of there. And in Illinois here, they have this this numbered system. You take a number, but it's not like number three, four, five, six. You know, it's G79, you know, and you're – here you are. You're like W340. And you just – like you can't breathe. Get me out of here. Yeah. Well, you know, I have this recurring dream, and I think a lot of people have had it, but it always seems to be this English class – and I discover, like, the last week of the semester that I've missed the entire year of classes. <laughs> and I'm trying to find desperately where the classroom is, and I'm wandering all over the campus trying to find it, and I can never find it. You know, I wake up, and I can't get back to sleep after that dream. And wow. I'm, I'm kind of all wound up and everything, and I realize it's just a dream, Greg. It's just a dream, but it I, really bugs me. You I know? believe I've had that student. As someone <laughs> yeah. who teaches an English class at Columbia College, I think I've had you in my class, and I've given them an F. Yeah, thank you. So songs about anxiety, songs about feeling nervous and anxious and, and all wound up. And I initially thought of Psycho Killer by The Talking Heads, but then I said, well, that's kind of obvious, right? I have an even better track from the same era. Peers of the Talking Heads in that initial explosion of art punk on the Lower East Side were the Feelies from suburban New Jersey. I've talked about these guys many times on the show. This is one of my favorite bands of all time. And their 1980 debut, Crazy Rhythms, it's one of the all-time Desert Island discs for me. It leads off with a track called the boy with the perpetual nervousness. <laughs> and it's, uh, I think it, it really typifies what the Feelies did musically. Crazy Rhythms is an album, 
that puts the primacy on, you know, drums and percussion and the guitars in the background and the vocals behind even the guitars. And, and it's all about these layered rhythms, all of them very nervous, all of them. You know, the Phillies used to take the stage at this point literally bouncing up and down. They were so wired on coffee, mm-hmm. and they would shave right before they went out on stage, and they were <laughs> buzzing. They were literally buzzing. And the boy with the perpetual nervousness, you know, he's a little ominous. You know, he's a kid I know, but not too well. He doesn't have a lot to say. This boy lives right next door, and he has nothing to say. You know, the boy next door is me, Glenn Mercer of eventually confesses the music is nervous the lyrics are nervous everything about it is nervous if you encounter the boy with petrol nervousness you better run really Mm -hmm. here they are the feelies on sound opinions All right, that's the first of my anxious anthems, Greg. The Boy with the Perpetual Nervousness by the Feelies. What have you got? I don't know if I can top the Feelies. That's a great uh, choice to open uh, with, Jim, because I, I just remember seeing the Feelies on stage so many times, and they were just bouncing around like pinballs. They yeah, are the yeah. absolute epitome of anxiety and nervousness on stage. I'm going to go in the opposite direction in terms of presentation. Th- this is a little subversive here, you know, where the, the, the Feelies were right up front about that sense of anxiety and nervousness. Lupe Fiasco took a different tack on it. You know, there's nothing worse in the music industry than the artist who complains about my record contract and my label sucks. And, it's you know, hard I to got be a famous. Deal. You're thinking Being about Drake, aren't so you? Hard. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I mean, let's start with Drake, but, you know, we can. the list is endless. Yes, it is. And, uh, you know, Lupe Fiasco could have easily fallen into that trap because he had uh, some famous uh, issues with his record label for a number of years and was unable to release the music in as timely a fashion as he wished, felt he had to compromise tracks in order to get them on the records, and he could have easily put that sense of self-pity into his music. Well, he got it both ways. He created a very beautiful, melodic pop rap song and at the same time addressed some of these issues, but in an oblique fashion. 
the song that I'm referring to is Beautiful Lasers from his third album called Lasers, released in 2011. And it's really a statement about going against the grain and, you know, not buying what you're being sold, mm-hmm. not bowing down to authority. But it's also a thinly veiled metaphor about his own troubles with the, with the label and his desire to release the music in the way he saw fit. So he's getting these double messages across. And this is, this is a really, really dark track if you listen to the lyrics. He's talking about losing his mind over the fact that in a lot of ways his freedom has been cut off. But you don't really know why. And as I said, the subtext is, you know, he had these issues with his label. But at the same time, this beautiful track, it was always a stellar moment in his shows when he would perform this track with that soaring chorus. It's Beautiful Lasers from Lupe Fiasco on Sound Opinions. There's only two ways Tears in the face of defeat Pretend to the end that you don't feel change Don't admit that your faith is weak Don't say that you feel like dying Life's hard and it feels like diamonds Go home, this is far too gone Much too late to even feel like trying Can't understand what I'm saying Can't figure out what I'm implying If you feel you don't want to be alive You feel just how I am I'm on the dark side And you can't come find them How when it's light all around you Yeah, when it's dark all inside them No when it's when it's me against me one of us just ain't gonna survive My heart been broke for a while Yours been the one keeping me alive Beautiful lasers from Lupe Fiasco on Sound Opinions. We're doing anxious anthems, Jim. What have you got next for us? I am going to turn, Greg, to a place that you wouldn't think is that anxious, uh, Norway. (laughs) (laughs) But this artist certainly is. Ida Maria is a name I've mentioned several times on the show. You and I saw her first, I believe, at Lollapalooza when she was touring in support of her first album, Fortress Round My Heart, 2008, blew us both away. Uh, She made Courtney Love look calm and measured, (laughs) right? Uh, And that's a compliment. She was tossing herself around on stage like Iggy Pop. She was screaming this anthem, oh my God. You listen to the lyrics here. Oh my God, find a cure, find a cure for my life. Put a price, put a price on my soul. Oh my God, oh, you think I'm in control. Oh my God, you think it's all for fun. Clearly it's not. She is not in control. She is losing it. But I think, you know, one of the things that, that we, we are not celebrating being out of control, being anxious. We are celebrating music as a tool to get those feelings out. You would think that listening to uh, mellow, soothing sounds <laughs> like Enya might help. I mean, for me, the more anxious I am, uh, the louder the punk rock I crank or the metal or, or the art punk like the Feelies or this song like Ida Maria. Oh, my God, on Sound Opinions. Find a cure, find a cure for my life, find a cure, find a cure for my life, find a cure, find a cure for my life, find a cure, find a cure for my life, for my life. 
Oh my God, from Ida Maria on Sound Opinions, Jim DeRogatis' pick for an anxious anthem. I do remember that performance quite well. She was having something like a nervous breakdown on stage in all the best possible ways. And it was 110 degrees, you know? (laughs) Who wouldn't in that kind of weather, right? I'm going to go to uh, the 80s now, Jim, and Eurythmics, one of my favorite groups from that era. I don't think Eurythmics get enough love, really. No. I, I think it's an amazing group. They made some very deep, dark albums that also had great hooks and melodies in them. Annie Lennox, first and foremost, as the vocalist, Dave Stewart, as her co-songwriter in that great duo. Synth pop doesn't do them justice. They were also a product of the MTV era, and I think uh, because of that, some people sort of cast them off as sort of a visual group, and and that was it. Uh, But I think the visuals actually worked uh, hand-in-hand with the music very well. They made some of the best videos of that era. Uh, One of their great collaborators was the great director, Sophie Muller, who was, uh, did all the videos for their Savage album in 1987, basically creating a, uh, a visual album for Eurythmics. So I highly recommend that after you listen to this song that you go and search out the uh, video on YouTube and, and, and play it because mm. it really enhances what you're going to hear. You know, Lennox was famous for playing these roles in her song. And in Beethoven, uh, parentheses I love to listen to. She's playing multiple roles, this, this sort of split personality uh, that she is conveying in the song, this repressed housewife transforming herself into this blonde vixen by the end. And, you know, there's uh, elements of, you know, obsessive compulsive disorder. She's cleaning and chopping these vegetables <laughs> desperately. And then she turns into this mischievous little girl, you know, with the blonde hair. And then she's a man wearing makeup and an evening gown. And then she has this nervous breakdown and, and she transforms herself into this vixen and she's trashing everything that she came from. And and this is all conveyed in a song that somewhat obliquely addresses these issues. But then when you see it in tandem with these visual images, you kind of realize what's going on here. And it really is a, a, a metaphor in a lot of ways for the way that Annie Lennox conducted her career. She was never one thing or one personality on mm. her records, but multiple personalities. And she loved to play with those uh, images, sort of... Uh, you know, a corollary of what David Bowie was doing in the 70s, you know, taking it to another level uh, with her music and videos in the 80s. Here's your rhythmics with Beethoven, I love to listen to on Sound Opinions. Like that. Who knows what they'll decide to do? 
that is one of Greg's picks for an anxious anthem. Beethoven, I love to listen to by the Eurythmics. Good one, Greg. When we come back, we're going to hear some suggestions from our listeners. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. I'm having a nervous breakdown. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. And we have been running down some of our favorite anxious anthems. You know, to be clear, we are not making fun of people who suffer from anxiety or depression or, or any illness. It's a brave and valiant struggle. But we've all had had these bouts of, of anxiety, these explosions of nervousness, right? You know, I mean, we get nervous just thinking about, I'm still at the DMV in my head, Greg. You know? <laughs> everybody connected with this. As soon as we said we're going to do anxious anthems, everybody had one uh, to suggest. We're going to throw it out now to our listeners. Let's talk to Hannah from Maryland. Hannah, welcome to Sound Opinions. Hi. That was such a cheery hello. Have you? And here we are going to talk about anxiety. <laughs> Have you got a great song about anxiety? I do. It's I'm So Tired by the Beatles. Oh, going to a classic there. What makes you think I'm so tired and anxiety? He says in the song, he's like, you know, I'm so tired. I can't set my brain. You know, it's three weeks. I'm going insane. You know, I give you everything I've got for a little peace of mind. And then Ringo slams in with the drums to underscore that. Yes, exactly. It's like one of the greatest moments, I think. That's one of my favorite Beatles songs. And being someone who's had, you know, insomnia, staying up all night, I think that's like one of the best descriptions of how it feels to be up all night thinking about something. I'm so tired, my mind is set on you. I wonder, should I call you? But I know what you would do. You'd say, wouldn't you wonder? It's no joke. It's doing me harm. You know I can't sleep. I can't stop my brain. You know it's three weeks. I'm going insane. You know I give you everything I've got for little peace of mind. I'm a huge Beatles fan. My dad was a big Beatles fan, and I, he got me into it. And that's one of the songs that stuck with me because I feel like the honesty that he kind of puts out there, I'm attracted to that kind of music. Thank you uh, so much, Hannah. That's a great pick. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Let's welcome Gene from Evanston to the show. Gene, you've got a song about anxiety for us, right? Yes, I do. My anxiety anthem is Someone's Looking at You by the Boomtown Rats. Hmm. All right, tell us about that song and why it speaks anxiety to you. Well, ever since I first heard it, it was about anxiety heightening and feeding on the singer. He's apparently some paranoid Save the Whales Greenpeace-type protester. (laughs) I like it because it's got a Cold War, like 1984, sense about it. He's talking about being watched. He says there's a spy in the sky, there's a tap on the line, and he's worried that his chatter with his friend is under surveillance by the government or some dark agency. That's got oppression. Wow. If you consider what's going on now. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I think it's really relevant now. And at the same time, it's he's talking about deserving to be kissed and the stifling heat and humidity and murders being committed when it's hot. So there's just like this anxiety from his paranoia of being watched and also this creepy feeling 
about how it might play out violently in his own actions. The Boomtown Rats. I'm I'm impressed, Gene. I think most people, if they know the Boomtown Rats at all, know only I don't like Mondays. But you're digging deep here for an album cut that obviously means a lot to you and you've thought about. It's resonated with you. Yeah, absolutely. And and as you guys were saying, I think it's real relevant today. And I think the guy deserves to be kissed because he's pretty much going nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so sending love to Bob Geldof, hoping he's okay. Absolutely. Thanks, Gene. That was a great pick. Thanks for coming on Sound Opinions. Thanks so much. Love the show. Some great suggestions there from our listeners, and uh, you too can nominate your favorite anxious anthems at 888-859-1800. Now let's get back to our list. What's next for you, Jim? You know, Greg, I, I think anxiety equals pressure. And probably most people, when you think about best rock song ever about pressure, they're going to think Under Pressure, David Bowie and Queen, no, 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 no. <laughs> Toots and the Maytals, Pressure Drop. This is one of the all-time great songs in pop music history, period. It is key musically because it leads from the ska and rock steady movements into the birth of reggae. It is key just because the hook is incredible. Really, the only thing anybody remembers from the song is pressure drop, pressure drop, pressure got to drop on me, right? And that's all you need. I mean, it's one of the greatest choruses ever. Look at the people who've covered it. Izzy Stradlin of Guns N' Roses did a fantastic version, the specials, the clash, the Rolling Stones. You could literally find 500 covers of Pressure Drop on YouTube, on the web. But man, the original. Toots and the Maytals were a key band, as I said, in that movement. Pressure Drop is from 69. Scott is becoming reggae. Reggae is being born. They're working with the great producer Leslie Kong. In 72, they're on the soundtrack of The Harder They Come. You know, who can forget this song? If you've never heard this song, you are about to have the best treat you're going to get this <laughs> month. Trust me. Pressure Drop by Toots and the Maytals on Sound Opinions.
man, that's a classic. I just that makes me so happy. It's weird that a song about your life is almost ending, the pressure is going to get the drop on you, can make you that happy. But damn, that's a happy song. So it's in the Maytals pressure drop. What do you got, Greg? I've got another very intense track, and I have a very vivid memory of seeing this band perform at Coachella when they reunited about a decade ago, and it was an awesome moment. The sun was setting that orange glow in the mountains, and this song was kind of ringing out, and it was just a staggering moment. I'm talking about the Pixies with the song Where Is My Mind. When you look at Black Francis, you go, now there's a guy, if anybody's going to have an anxiety attack, it's this guy, because he sounded like a guy who was possessed. A number of songs in his catalog addressing this subject of feeling like you're losing control. You know, I talked to Black Francis, a.k.a. Frank Black, and he said this one in particular was inspired by, he, he went scuba diving in the Caribbean, and he said there was this little fish chasing me around, and the next thing I know, I'm, I'm kind of in this altered state uh, underwater, and I can s- sort of understand what he's talking about. I, I've gone snorkeling in these deep sea waters sometimes, and you see this like wonderland of fish around you, and it's like you've dropped into another planet. And before you know it, you are sort of hallucinating a little bit because you wonder where you are. And then I think what really tops the song off is you've got this intense Black Francis vocal, but then Kim Deal adds her harmonies. And to me, it's like his other self calling to him underwater, like, come back. You know, you're, yeah. you're going to be okay, but maybe not. You're sort of drifting away from me. And it's this beautiful, haunting moment. Where is my mind from Pixies on Sound Opinions? Where is my mind from the Pixies on Sound Opinions? And that wraps up our conversation about anxious anthems. But we also want to hear from you. What songs best exemplify anxiety for you? Call and leave a message on our hotline, 888-859-1800. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter. When we come back, we're going to sit down with Texas soul singer Leon Bridges. And that's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX.
take me to your river. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott here with my partner, Jim Dirigatis, and that's a bit of River by Leon Bridges. That album was uh, filled with stripped-down arrangements and a style that reminded many people of classic soul and classic soul singers like Sam Cooke. Coming Home was critically acclaimed, and uh, for his latest album, Good Thing, Leon Bridges was determined to push his sound into a new direction. Hungry is my state of mind. We hosted Leon in our studio and started our conversation talking about when he first started pursuing his career in music while still bussing tables in Fort Worth, Texas. But yeah, it all started for me just grinding, helping, you know, trying to grind to support my family. And, you know, I was washing dishes and also playing open mics at the same time. Mm -hmm. I love the story that now that you have uh, uh, gained notoriety and you're out on tour and you're making (laughs) records, every time you get back home, uh, you, you eat at the restaurant again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and you would think they would uh, comp my meal, but that, yeah. <laughs> I hope you Come tip on. your server well. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> you are famous for writing a really heartfelt, beautiful song about your mom. She born home New Orleans, New Branded with the name Lisa Sawyer, circa 1963. Grandmother was Indian, Indian. Her mother's name was Eartha, swift as the wind. How did that come together? Yeah, well, it's reflective of the, the the community that I was in and I was around a lot of great songwriters mm-hmm. and, and those guys inspired me to, uh, to, be, to be a good songwriter and so I wanted to make a song that honored my mother and, mm-hmm. and it was like in the beginning of, of my process. Yeah, but it's such a big topic, Leon. How do you even set out, you know? Uh, and there are such great songs, you know, uh, about, you know, what Kanye, you know, Hey Mama. Um, you know, it's, it's like, you know, how do you, how do you do that? I can't write a Mother's Day card to my mom. I have to go buy Hallmark, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that's, it's really hard to explain. It was just something that I felt um, at the time. I mean, I feel like I could live my whole life and, and, and forever be... In, in debt to my, my mother for mm. her, her sacrifice um, for me and my, my siblings. And so that was just like my gift to her, you know. Yeah. Well, if, the, the if song Le- Lisa Sawyer sort of talks about what, what she was like as a younger woman uh, before she had children, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you'd spend a lot of time with your mom and talk to her. Um, uh, what, what resonated with you the most about her story as a young woman 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I was I was inspired by just her 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 history and in, in, you know my family history in in New Orleans. She had the complexion of the complexion of a sweet prey. Lean, hair long as the sea, heart warm like Louisiana sun, voice like a symphony of the most beautiful. I felt that a lot of people definitely romanticized New Orleans, and and I felt that giving a story that was very personal to me was something that people connect with. Connect with. Mm-hmm. You know, not only the connection part is interesting because I think um, early on you kind of unlock that key where you realize I can't just be a singer. I got to write songs. Um, and obviously you said the community kind of inspired that, but it's not an easy thing to do. It's one thing to have a great voice, but having content alongside it mm-hmm. to sing that mm-hmm. means something to you personally. How tough was that struggle? Because I know Lisa Sawyer was kind of a big song for you early on. as mm-hmm. a, But you'd written a bunch of songs before that, I imagine, that you probably didn't think were very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was definitely a lot of trial and error for me. Um, and, and songwriting is still a struggle for me even even now. Tell us about that Texas scene, Uh, because you mentioned that you were getting inspiration from it. You know, was it just open mic people as well? Yeah, it it was just um, in the open mics that I was uh, attending. And in in Texas, the scene, it's predominantly like country and and rock and roll and, and blues. And so at the time, I was definitely one of the only R&B guys mm. in the scene. Um, so the the, the country writers were inspiring you. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm really inspired by any genre, but that's that's just the only thing that I was around at the time. There isn't a soul scene in Fort Worth. Yeah, yeah. I've heard you drop uh, as influences uh, Bobby Womack, which is no surprise. Usher, which is slightly more surprising. And Neil Young, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. all, all people who get you excited about songwriting. Yeah, and I mean, growing up, I wasn't really exposed to those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I was exposed to the R&B that was popular at the time, and gospel music through my mother. And it wasn't until I got into the um, the open mic scene is when I was introduced to guys like Van Morrison and mm. and the Rolling Stones and and Bob Wills and all those guys. Who who are taking their influences from the church as well. But but filtering it through this British upbringing, you know, or, or mm-hmm. Bob Wills case, you know, real country, right? Yeah, indeed. indeed. Oh. Let's jump to good thing. So coming, uh, coming home comes out, and you got a lot of attention, and it puts you on the map. 
and you wind up co-writing with other artists, uh, you know, Macklemore and Lewis and, uh, you know, Casey Musgrave, right? Mm -hmm. uh, getting all this attention, and now there's the pressure, Leon. <laughs> you know, what else you got, son? You know, what else you got for a second album? You know, the sophomore slump. Mm -hmm. um, were you feeling that, or were you approaching it the same way you did coming home? I mean, I did feel pressure into going into this this next process and because I understood that one the fans wanted me to continue making this retro sound mm -hmm. um, but honestly you know I didn't want to be placed in a box and so I wanted to make something that was reflective of all the styles of R&B that I did. And so, but it was definitely a long process to, to figure out what I wanted to make. I mean, we toured Coming Home for three years. When we got off the road and got into the studio, a lot of the songs that I was writing and recording was similar to Coming Home in a way, you mm -hmm. know, but I felt that it just wasn't enough for me. Brown skin girl on the other side of the room. Brown skin girl staring with the brown eyes. Ooh, baby, don't you know you're a cutie pie? Princess little honey with a polka dot dress on. Coming Home came out in 2015, um, debuted at number six. Huge hit, as Jim was saying. I remember talking to you around that time. You were on tour, and already you were saying to me, this next album's going to be different. <laughs> You'd had this huge <laughs> success <laughs> with this record. And the two words that kept showing up in every article about you at that time were, as you mentioned, retro, <laughs> usually as an adjective for soul, <laughs> yeah. and vintage, usually as an adjective for clo the clothes you were wearing on stage. <laughs> um, and I could tell already you were like, don't put me in a box. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I felt at that at that time that I wrote that, I felt it was necessary to tell my narrative through sixties R and B. But you know, that sound doesn't define me. And when I wrote that, I, I was inspired by and you know had major influences from Mint Condition to Two Towns Van Zandt, you know, mm -hmm. and so I wanted to break away from the whole retro 60s image. You know, it's still a part of me. But with this album, I wanted to show people that I'm more than that. You know that I want you mm, Don't get me started at this time of night Hard to keep my guard up when the feeling's right Oh, you 
shy. You can be shy with me. You know I need to, and I'm not quite sober. Now, it, it, it wasn't that easy with Columbia, though, right? Because there were there two versions of this album before the final one that's dropping now. Well, we yeah we recorded a a, t- a ton of material um, even before making this album back in Now City Now City Sound in Fort Worth. We recorded a lot of songs that were like '80s and '90s um, inspired, but we felt that was a little bit too much of a step forward, and so that's why we went out to LA to be you know to try to come in the middle with it. So you weren't happy with how, what was coming together. I mean, it it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, but we wanted to see if we could beat everything mm. that we had written um, back in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. How did you get to there to that process? Because, you know, listening to the new record, um, you know, I'm thinking of a song like Georgia to Texas, mm-hmm. which doesn't sound like anything from the first record. It sounds like you, you've really made a step with like a song like that, the atmospheric kind of approach to the songwriting. 504 Black Girl Kevin me. In her womb to the land of the peach Her birth in pains brought me low But she held me high on peace tree road Got my mother's eyes and my father's nose Also, got my brothers hand me down close. How did you get to the point where you were able to write kind of in that way? Was it just a trial and error kind of thing? The way that it started out, just on piano, and, and this everything was super collaborative. Austin, Austin Jenkins and Josh Block just kind of catered to the way that it was just like on its own. And and, and that one was the one that I felt that would be the bridge into this next project. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like, um, you know, there's a risk involved, too. You had a huge hit with a record with a certain sound, and now you're sort of altering that sound. Do you feel any, like, are people going to like this? Yeah, that was definitely one of my concerns in, into switching the sound. You know, I, I knew that I would alienate some fans, um, you know, I want to keep everybody, but when you when you make change, of course, you can't um, please everybody. It's exciting uh, when you can take people on a journey and show different. I mean, Prince would do that. You know, I mean, there's which Prince are you seeing? There, there's ten of him. You know, mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. one set, two mm-hmm. hours, right? And it's all great because mm-hmm. it's all Prince. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's a, a blessing that the the fans can grow with me as an mm-hmm. artist. Another song I wanted to talk about is Lions, which, again, is one of those songs where you clearly took some chances. I can't see the world that you want me to see. I won't be the man that you want me to be. Darkness creeping late at night Knows just how to talk to me when I'm tired 
feeding on my weakness, planted in the season when I was so young. Would you kill for your own? The atmosphere in the studio sounds like it was amazing that day. Or uh, how did that song come together? Yeah, that song is a once again it, it, very collaborative um, as far as like the production and on there and that's a testament to um, Ricky Reed but yeah I wanted to channel this um, kind of this kind of 2000s R&B kind of melody and you know basically the song is about you know it's on, on a don't tread on me kind of vibe and being protective of myself and and people I love mm-hmm People are going to get some D'Angelo flashbacks a little bit. It's going to be a mm-hmm. little, it's not going to be retro '60s. It's going to be yeah. And I, and I, I mean that's kind of dope that I mean you can you hear D'Angelo and that's kind of reflective of where the production is. But we didn't set out to do a D'Angelo thing. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, pretty cool. You also did a pretty amazing version of uh, the Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young song, Ohio, last year with uh, Gary Clark Jr. and uh, John Batiste. Uh, and that was also a radical uh, interpretation of that song. How did that one-off? It was, it was basically a one-off, right? Mm-hmm. Ten soldiers and Nixon's coming We're finally on our own This summer I How did that come about, and how did you get to the point where you you interpreted it in the way you did, as opposed to sort of doing a rote version of the original? Mm-hmm. Together, we've we've always talked about collaborating, and so I mean, those guys came out to Fort Worth, and our whole goal was to just make a whole bunch of music, and in that we had to do the Crosby Stills and Nash cover for it was a Spotify thing related to the uh, Ken Burns uh, Vietnam documentary. Yeah, well, I just wanted to be able to channel the, the, their vibe in that song, but kind of put our own spin to it. You know, uh, Leon, Tin Soldiers and Nixon coming is history. But what if you knew her and found her dead on the ground? How would you run when you know? Is 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 current events, is Black Lives Matter uh, running through your head as you're, uh, you know, here's an anthem that was written within days of the mm-hmm. Kent State shootings and made it onto the radio within a week, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it galvanized the moment uh, for people. And, and, you know, are you thinking that... 
with your music? Is that still possible? Is it possible with a cover? Is it possible with an original today? Yeah, very possible. And I mean, we have a as I mean, as musicians, we have an opportunity to have that platform. Um, and but even as an artist, I, I sometimes feel pressure to go there because I feel like sometimes it's like can be trendy to write political music in, yeah. in, in songs, but it's still needed. Um, I feel like, you know, I, I don't fear of putting that energy in my music. You know, I feel like I just want to make sure that it's a good good song at the end of the day. Yeah, and if the emotion's sincere, I mean, here Ohio is 40 years old, right? And the events are long gone, and yet it still has that resonance today. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's amazing. And it's, you know, it's parallel to the tons of innocent black men, you know, being murdered by police or racism. have been talking to Leon Bridges, whose new album is called Good Thing. Leon, thanks for coming into the studio. Hey, thank y'all for having me. Been a real treat. Greg, what's on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we have a classic album dissection of Joni Mitchell's masterpiece, Blue. Greg, Sound Opinions was produced by Brendan Banasak, Alex Claiborne, and Iona Contreras. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. Hello, Greg and Jim. This is Andres Ospina calling from Santa Monica, California. And I want, I'm calling with regards to the drummer episode. And I'm saying that one of my favorite drummers, aside from some of the ones you already mentioned, Neil Peart and so forth, is um, actually Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder, when I saw... A, a documentary on his on how he created the songs in the key of life masterpiece a, and I realized that he was actually the drummer on those on those tracks and I saw him a, with his very kind of unorthodox posture and way of drumming after we did the keyboards um, I then put a drum track down Such a in-the-pocket, funky and groovy beats that he created for his songs. I, I realized that he was pretty much one of my favorite drummers. Thank you, Greg and Jim, for everything you guys do. I love your show. Okay. My name is David Haina. I'm calling from Chicago, Illinois. I'm listening to your special on drummers. How can you do a show about drummers and drumming and not even mention Ginger Baker. 
What? I don't understand. Okay. He's the most original sounding rock and roll drummer of all time. He was original. No one drummed like Ginger Baker. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Hey, this is Truman from Durham, North Carolina. Truman Siemens. I uh, loved your show today on drummers. Um, You've made some great picks there. And um, when you talked about Clyde Stubblefield, it made me think that um, there's somebody you missed, and that is Zig Modaliste from The Meters. Um, Sissy Strutt is, uh, I think, by all drummer standards, one of the great drum tunes, great drum tracks in not only... New Orleans funk, but but really all of of uh, modern uh, rock and soul and uh, drumming. Bye. Hi, my name is Renee Burnett, and I'm calling from Oak Park, Illinois. Listening to your drumming show, it's outstanding. Um, but I just have to add. Um, I realize that Phil Collins is, everybody knows, is a stupendous drummer. And um, if anybody doesn't know it, then they need to just pick up a copy of Selling England by the Pound because his genius uh, on that Genesis album is unmistakable. But that's not actually the Genesis song that impresses me the most. It is the song You Might Recall. You Might Recall, if you recall, is actually... um, on the fourth side of the Three Sides live album. It's so natural, it's like he's just exhaling. And I'm a music teacher and I share with my drumming students many, many songs, but um, that's always the last one I put on the mixtape because I always say to my students, if you can do this so naturally, improvise, then you can play anything. Thank you again for the show. It was fantastic. And I look forward to next week. No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.